Loyal. You are called to a meeting with Nyla, not in the usual conference room, but instead in one of the old warehouses within the base. It is a short walk, or an even shorter drive to reach the location. Uh, It is a plain industrial building that looks the same as any of the other old warehouses around the tarmac. Despite its plainness, a subtle difference jumps out to you. Around the structure, pushing almost impossibly through the concrete of the tarmac, are these small thorny flowers with bright red blossoms. Um, From a distance, they almost look like uh, pinpricks of blood pulling up from the ground. Um, this like pulsing rhythm kind of takes root in you as you approach this, uh, gentle drum in time with your own heartbeat, a, uh, regal bassy sequence. Um, Nyla is standing outside the warehouse waiting for you. Was there information sent with this request to meet Nyla at the fucked up flower warehouse? No, just meet me at warehouse, you know, like 86D. Hey, I float up to Nyla keep my dolphin face very impassive she kind of just nods to you lightly and then opens the door to the warehouse and leads you inside it is empty inside save for a very large field of these same prickly red flowers which encircle a large cargo elevator and she makes her way through the field uh, you know brushing up against the flowers do I sense any psychic presence from these flowers or am I just humming what do you mean humming? You said I I sense a deep heartbeat from the flowers? Within you. Within me. Due to my proximity to the flowers. It's not coming from the flowers, it's just affecting me. It's hard to say. Okay, that's not creepy or anything. Anyways, uh-huh. um... Sunlith is quiet <laughs> as he's watching this, and I think he just follows... Nyla as she walks into this field and if she's still being quiet like as she's going to the center he will say so we're dealing with this now too huh she looks at you with this uh, very plain expression um, and she holds a finger up to her lips and kind of smiles a little bit like be quiet smiles okay i tilt my head at her slightly but then give her a little dolphin nod um she brings you into the elevator and begins the descent a very slow crawl deeper into the planet and as you go lower that rhythm grows louder as you go lower um and you kind of see through the cage of the elevator these roots that are just pressing through the concrete and the stone of the the earth like in front of you um and eventually you arrive at the bottom level and you are guided through a series of doors and into the throne room the unstill corpse of tkr lays there propped up against the wall roots pierce its body and stretch up into the ceiling all of them dripping blood onto the floor and in front of TKR are two figures. The first is Geist, kneeling as a barbed red crown is placed atop his head. The second figure inhabits an exopod of alien design, its water replaced with opaque blood. Only an abstract shadow remains inside. Its exterior is metallic, but pliable, fleshy almost. It turns to you as it finishes placing the crown on Geist's head, 
geist voice and your own speak to you in concert. It has to be this way. The words swim in your head, becoming images. Images of your hands pulling red wires from the corpse of TKR, like entrails from a dead animal. You see yourself twisting the wires into the shape of a crown, and you see it placing it atop Geist's head. You see red flowers growing over an empty, destroyed city. Okay. So, the funny thing about this is that Sunlith is not scared of this the same way he has been of other dreams he's been having. He assumes he's in a dream now, of course. Um, like the moment that Nyla smiled at him and took him to the elevator, he spent that time just like watching her face, trying to realize, hmm, I don't think this is real. So he's kind of just letting this happen this time. He's too fucking tired, has felt too many emotions lately from himself, from other people, to even be able to engage with whatever fear mind games are trying to be projected into his brain right now. And he's mostly just curious about this because at least this is something new. This is something different. This isn't just, you are being ordered to go murder children in a stupid human war. This is something at least psychic, terrifying, yes, but something that he understands a little bit more than whatever the hell is happening out there in the real world. So he is trying to just figure out what is being said to him. What was the last thing that the voice said? It has to be this way. It has to be this way. And then you saw images of creating a crown out of the red wires inside TKR and putting it on Geist's head. And then red flowers growing over a destroyed city, um, the destroyed capital city. Okay. Can Sunlith talk if he tries to? Sure. He doesn't bother making echolocation sounds. He's just doing this in his mind. He's like... Why does it have to be Geist? What does Geist have to do? The the Geist and the Exopod figure, which is speaking with your voice, obviously. Of course, um, naturally. Both speak again together, and they say, You can hear, hear us, us, but, but he, he can become us. us. What will he do when he becomes you? The voices speak uh, a single last word as you kind of see the water in your own tank becoming red and they just say dumb." and then you wake up hell yeah okay at least I'm not uh, thrashing this time yeah there's a message waiting for you Nyla wants to meet you at one of the old warehouses in the base <laughs> Ah, fish sticks. It's a short walk, or an even shorter drive to get there. A plain warehouse, indistinguishable from any others around it, except for the feeling of of uneasiness that washes over you. Nyla is outside again, and she greets you. Sunlith, thank you for coming on such short notice. Um, Some of our people in R&D wanted to get your opinion on the TKR wreckage. Is this the warehouse where the TKR wreckage is? Are there flowers? 
There's no flowers. Okay. But it is the same warehouse from your dream. Yeah, it sure fucking is. All right. Lyle says, I suppose as the planet's resident psychic dolphin, this falls under my job duties. Okay, I will go with you. She nods. And she leads you inside the warehouse, which is empty, except for some crates that have been pushed into the corner and a cargo elevator in the center. Um, she walks you inside of it, swipes a key card on a pad in the elevator, and it starts to descend down with you. It is a long elevator ride. Do you want to speak to her? Or do you want her to speak to you? Yeah. I look at her and I say, So... We're dealing with this now, too, huh? Yes. We're dealing with a lot. You haven't... He's trying to figure out a way to say this. I guess he just stops himself right there. But he's like... We... are dealing with a lot, aren't we? Do you think anyone had any idea of what it is that we would find when we came here, what it is that we are currently descending towards right now. Did anyone expect this? No. No one no one expected this. I things are different than we thought. Hmm. He sighs again. And as always, it is the just sigh generated by his translator. Just automatically picks up on his emotions. The technology that he uses to communicate with the world, with other species that he loves, that is granted by the Oro. And pushes that thought out of his mind in the second that he thinks about it. But... He says, instead of all the things that he had been pushing through his mind of angry accusations he was going to come at Nyla with, ask her, why? Why did you do this? Why did you know? Why did you send me there? Why Why on any of this? Because he knows the answer. And he just looks at her and says, I'm sorry that you had to keep me behind for the meeting with Bluth. I thank you for bringing me some food during that. It was a small island of comfort, despite everything. I was mad about it, but I don't know what I am anymore. I'm just sorry. She puts a hand on your exopod and says I'm sorry too that's uh it won't happen again thank you I don't think he says anything else for the rest of the <laughs> elevator ride um the elevator arrives at a floor marked as observation and you are led into a control room of sorts 
Inside are a number of terminals, isolated server racks, and researchers. One of these researchers sticks out to you, an eight-foot-tall figure in a strange shimmering blue-black robe. Her head is what can be described as an indented dodecahedron with lights glowing inside each facet. Um, on the opposite end of the room is a huge window looking into a vast chamber which contains only one thing, the wreck of TKR, inert but you feel something within it, not entirely still, waiting. It's been partially disassembled, pieces of it pulled aside and apart, uh, trailing these strings of red wire. Nyla leads you over to the tall researcher and introduces her as Ziggurat, the leading researcher from the Vector Mines. Ziggurat looks down at you and kind of snakes her way around your exopod, moving in a way that would probably break the bones in a normal human being. And she says, Your open design prototype, very interesting, very expensive. Domestic anti-gravity products, very promising market. And she trails off and kind of snaps back to her full height. Not the time, she says. Lith pauses for a sec and then agrees and says, No, not the time. I was told you may have insight to some energy readings we've been receiving, which are not particularly measurable. And she kind of leads you over to a terminal and brings up an overwhelming amount of readouts. The deactivated unit, the clusterists referred to as the King Returneth, inert yet producing an energy pattern on its internal wiring, we can detect that it is broadcasting, that energy is being moved outwards, but we cannot detect where or how. No magnetics, no haze variety, no rupture field. Similarities to bioelectric communication, as if connected to a living being, but there is no physical connection. And then Ziggurat trails off again. I want to plug myself into this computer and turn these into like kind of audio sonar readouts i want to enmesh myself in this data because as a dolphin i have very high speed audio processing skills this is something that i'm evolved to do and right now all i want to do is Ignore my fear and dive into whatever the fuck is happening here. So is that a role to try to figure oh. out if I can plug into all this and make any sense of it? What do you want to roll? It's a good question. I'm thinking a interface or study. Yeah, I'm thinking an interface specifically. Okay. I don't have any dots in study and since interface is under resolve i think this is fitting what's my position risky standard and anything i can do to put a modifier on this role you could push yourself if you want or you could take a devil's bargain you know what i have not very much stress right now i have only one tab of stress this is great <laughs> i'm so chill that's why i just don't care um i'll push myself all right two stress and you get an extra die cool Let's plug into the Returned King, why don't we? Failure. Two twos. Beautiful. 
Okay. You look at the readouts. You convert it into whatever data is best helpful to you. And you notice it's all separate. It is not really understandable. But when you merge it into this, what did you call it? Um, Cymatics? Cymatics, yeah. Cymatics sonar readouts that is projected into the fluid, the oxyfluid that I'm suspended in. When you put them all there together, there's a familiar pattern. Something beating in sync with your own heart. A uh, familiar rhythm. It's quieter than in the dream, but you can still feel it very slightly. A connection with you, like an implant, a, a twin, or a phantom, lingering inside your own body, making contact with you. You don't know the exact mechanism. Um, science isn't really equipped for measuring this sort of phenomenon, but you know where it's ending up, this connection, and it's ending up at you. Um, and you're going to take... The level one harm destiny feedback. It's fun. Um, you are overcome with an overwhelming feeling that you know what you are going to do and that what that you've seen in your dream is destined to happen. A strong deja vu, but with a flavor of doom. And you can resist that if you want. Um, oh yeah. Maybe I will, because I already have lingering guilt still that I forgot about. Mm. Um, it would be a resolve resist, so you would roll 2d6, or you can just click resolve on your character sheet. I'm clicking resolve. Oh, great. You can take zero stress. You managed to resist it. Oh, hell yeah. Um, what does that look like? What What is your rationality that causes you not to be stressed out by this? <laughs> it honestly helps that I've just seen this in my dream recently and multiple times before i just know that there's there's a fucked up psychic thing on this planet they brought me here for some kind of help with it understanding it but as someone who has been psychic all their lives i know that it just comes from a place of things that no one can hold in their mind, things that will never make sense. And I'm just relying on that training, on various meditations I have done. And I think I just unplug from this terminal, back up from it. Yeah, Sunlith just looks up and says, this is a powerful psychic entity beyond our understanding. I don't know how safe it is to remain down here with it. I would advise reduced personnel in this sector. Cigarette's face lights kind of spin a little bit and kind of like pulse red gently and says, that is not a sufficient answer, but I suppose we'll have to deal with it. As good an explanation as we'll get. I will reduce personnel here, but we still have research to do. You are free to come if you have any additional ideas. We could use your help. We 
the union wants to repurpose this technology, despite whatever risks you may be alluding to. I think Thunley like just laughs here, and it's just like high pitched dolphin squeaking coming from his <laughs> tank, which he doesn't normally do because he knows that other beings find it to be cute and they take him less seriously. <laughs> but he just can't control himself here, so he does that. And he just says, of, of course they do. Of course they want to repurpose this. I, I will come and go. I will let you know if I find anything new. I have something I need to go do. Mizzigarot gives you a nod. And Nyla says, um, you going up? Yes. And you? I kind of stay here for a little bit. Um, communicate with Ziggurat on the personnel changes. Good luck. Radio me again if you need me. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Where do you go? You run up? Yeah, I want to go talk to Maze, but I think that's a bit long for one vignette. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it is. You leave the warehouse, um, and as you do, you see a crack in the tarmac, and out of it is a single red flower, newly bloomed and waiting, waiting for more. And then there's an explosion. Um, kind of farther away from you in the city. And there's a oh. sl slow rising of smoke and the sound of an alert emergency alarm going off um, kind of near the main base area. Geist, you have been called to Director Germain's office. It doesn't take... A genius to put together exactly why you would be called here after your mild to severe case of insubordination with your handler, Nyla. Um, you are let in by the secretary, and he is sat behind his desk with papers scattered all over and gestures for you to come in. Uh, one thing you notice right away is that he has an exceedingly fancy chair now. Uh, it seems to move of its own accord and kind of contours itself to his body, and he kind of gestures for you to take a seat across from him. Yeah, uh, unlike his usual, uh, I guess, way of carrying himself in a lot of these briefings and stuff, Geist actually does go over, and he does take a seat. And he looks across, and he says, Jeez, was that chair one of the perks they had to give you to make you take this fucking job? He pats the chair like you'd pat, like a pet. And he says, No, uh, this is actually because of you and your squad. General Wave was very pleased with the pilot division after uh, Corporate Council sent over their resources. So, this is my kickback, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, look, Kila, let's cut the bullshit. I think we both know why it is that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what, do you, what do you want me to say? You want me to cop to it? Yeah, I was fucking insubordinate. I screamed in Nyla's face. I don't think it was unwarranted. He kind of uh, absentmindedly shuffles some of the documents on his desk and puts them off to the side. And he says, yeah, uh, 
bad call on Nihilus' part and vis-a-vis, I guess, my part. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how you use vis-a-vis. Well, I shouldn't have given you the runaround. It was a bad call. Um, I told Nyla that, and we're all cool now. We understand that we need to communicate better. But also, I need to know that you know that the corporation support is the only thing that is holding up this entire operation on this planet. And that if Bluth asks us to do something, as long as it is not, you know, totally against the goals of the peacekeepers, uh, we've got to do it. We've got to grin and bear it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm not good at this HR stuff. Let's cut the bullshit in the corporate line, okay? I know... <sighs> Try and look at it from my point of view, all right? Sure, it was brutal what happened, what we did, but the real problem is that we were intentionally fed bad intel, not just by Bluth, but by Nyla. She orchestrated it, or you did, or whoever the fuck greenlit keeping loyal out of the briefing. That bad intel could have caused one of my team members to choke. It could have gotten us killed. It could have botched the entire fucking operation. That's the problem. It won't happen again. You have my word. But do I have your word that you will fall in line? Look, I'm not blind to what it is that our little operation accomplished, all right? And I know what it takes, and I know about the projections and Nyla's little spreadsheets. I know what's at stake, and I will always do what I have to do, but if there is any alternative, I do not want to have to be put in the same room as that fucking creep. Alright, that's all that I ask. That being, uh, Bluth. Yeah. Makes my fucking skin crawl what skin I have left. I think I can arrange that. Uh, I think Harold can handle any, uh, face-to-faces this point forward. Joseph, I hear, is not very social, and loyal is loyal, so... uh, Yeah. You know. I mean, for all my bluster, they... They did their duty, all of them. Even loyal. And that's why there's no bad blood here. I'm... We're all very happy with the dusk lights and with you. Uh, this is just, you know, it's been tough. We're all stressed. We made some bad calls. Uh, we'll move past it. And can we uh, let's close the book on this? As long as the peacekeepers don't knowingly withhold mission intel from us on missions, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean encapsulation and all that. We can't tell you everything that's going to go on, but we will make sure that you are told anything that uh, is necessary and that you know who you're going to be shooting at. I think that is the main pain point here. I don't keep loyal out of our briefings. That shouldn't be a problem, right? Sure. Yeah. You shouldn't need to lie to us. If you have something that my team you think that my team is going to believe to be unsavory, come to me with it. Somebody needs to know the facts. And I can handle it, whatever it is. You have my word on that. Copy that. 
Now, with that out of the way, uh, if I'm being honest, I didn't just call you here to uh, write you up for insubordination. I've got <laughs> someone. Uh, I've got someone I want you to talk to. Real sensitive stuff. Uh, and he kind of leans over to a little microphone on his desk and says, "Yeah, let him in." And from behind you walks in Crow, who is the current leader of the Moon Devils. He is a vested which is one of the few, maybe the only alien species which actually meshes with the Soul Union culturally. Um, from about his eyes down, he looks like a human. Uh, he has like, dark skin, bright white tattoos. He's dressed in, like a pilot's soft suit. Uh, but once you get to his head, there are these little mycelial tendrils pulsing under his skin. And above his eyebrows, his head kind of explodes into a geometric fungal body. Uh, which is in a cubic shape. You do know each other. You have like a vague one relationship with him where you kind of both know each other's rep. He is one of the few remaining moon devils who survived the fight at the Capitol after uh, martyrdom went fucking Super Saiyan on the rest of them. (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. I have a quick question. Is this... Like, is this alien race, is it like a fungus that's like parasiting a human body and that's why it looks so human from the brain pan down? That is correct. I even wrote about it on my blog, climbingtocascade.tumblr.com. Um, oh, but check that out. <laughs> yeah, he, they basically are parasitic, uh, but it is a consensual parasite. Uh, at least they claim to always do that now. <laughs> uh, there's been there's been drama in the past, but they mesh well because they absorb all the memories of their host. Oh yeah, that or, makes sense. Or merge with them, you know. What do I know about his reputation? So did we fly together like back in the day? No, he's new. Okay. Uh, he he came on after you went sleepy time. Yeah. Do um, I know anything about his reputation? Like, does he seem to be doing a pretty good job? Uh, he is a very good pilot. He is probably the best pilot on the planet. Right now, on the side of the Peacekeepers, I would say he is very mission-focused. He is not very social. You would not see him at any events, uh, and he does not have much of a relationship with the rest of the Moon Devils. Have we met before? You have met. According to your relationship, you have an approximate one with him, which I think is that you Oh, that's right. I remember talking about this a long time ago. (laughs) You've, like, moved in similar circles, but I've never, like, I think sat down and really talked. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, Geist turns around and he says, Whoa, shit. Uh, Hey. I guess he maybe gives a little salute or something. Whatever's appropriate Uh, for his rank. He gives you a little nod and he says, Come walk with me, Geist. Uh, Geist looks back to Kilo. Kilo gives you a nod. All right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Geist will follow him out. He leads you into one of these mostly empty hallways in this administrative building. Uh, used to be full of personnel, uh, but everyone has been recalled. And so, like, this level is basically just, like, Kilo's office, a couple of admin assistants, and then just empty offices. Um, and... Crow starts talking to you, and he says, The peacekeepers have a leak. Someone gave away troop plans to the Clusterists. We lost half a company on an operation in the East City. A very sensitive operation. We know it wasn't you, but from where we stand, your squad is one of the suspects. 
There's a machine, a psychic, and a money man, and that doesn't scream loyalty to the higher-ups. Jesus, fuck. Wait, would... Who knew about this operation? Like, what level clearance was the intel? Would my team even have any idea? Our system isn't exactly top of the line. I wouldn't be surprised if someone could find a backdoor if they could get up to the hardware, which... I would be lying if I said our security was tight. We have a uh, camera outage at a certain time on a certain day. You were in training missions, and the bone pickers were all out. So, we have a few suspects, but that's all we know. And they tipped him off to the clusterists. We believe so. We can't prove anything was stolen, but the camera outage, and then our guys getting ambushed so specifically on the most vulnerable moment they could have. We think it's probably that. Look, I can't tell you for sure that it wasn't any of them, but I have my doubts that Loyal would be capable of pulling something like this off. And I have my doubts that Joseph or Hex would. I'd like to think that I know them at least a little bit, but I'm not going to rule anything out. Do you want me to, like, pry on this or just keep an eye out? Keep an eye out. If you uh, can make any progress on discovering anything, that's fine. But the fact is, I just need to know that you are sure they'll pull the trigger when they're ordered. Look... I understand what's at stake here, and I think that I know my team, but if I'm wrong about any of them, I will not hesitate for a second. I want the desk lights for an operation we're putting together. Sensitive. Oh, shit. Very sensitive. Two weeks. I want your team to get in shape. Review any data you have on the Virtues. I know your squad has touched them on a couple occasions. The Virtues? You think Retribution will be there? I hope not. Yeah. You want us there, even though you think we might be the source of this leak? If I'm being honest with you, Geist, I can only rule out one squad, and that's the Bone Pickers, and they're not exactly the best fighters we have. Your answer is honest, the other ones lied to me, but that's just because they like their squad. Well, shit. All right, we'll be ready. If the simulator's hard, don't tell anyone about this. Not even your squad mates until it's the day of. Official stories that your implants gave out and you're on PT. Okay. They won't hear a word of it. He nods to you, and he says, Good. Looking forward to seeing you fight in person. <laughs> Hope I can live up to the hype. And he uh, starts to walk away. Um, and as he kind of heads away, um, you hear the unmistakable sound of an explosion from close in the city. Uh, close enough that the ground shakes slightly and the lights uh, kind of flicker. And then silence. And he, he reaches for his pistol and then kind of holds still. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm going to reach for my pistol, too, and be like, what the fuck was that? He uh, kind of places a hand on the wall and it's like sits in silence for a little bit, like, very still. He says, let's go find out.
So, Joseph, how are you? I'm great. I'm a, I live my robot life. I'm happy. That's so good. So, <laughs> following you giving Glass New Lane that little data drive that Nihilus supplied you with, you know, he thanks you for it first, and then after like a couple of days, he tells you to go to a, a place at a certain time and to meet with your driver. Okie dokie. I think uh, I'll bring like a gun and a knife with me, and I'll, I'll get to that destination. Sure. Uh, it is a little dingy area, uh, kind of in the East City, kind of where you met Glass. Um, just like a unmemorable street corner, and there's just a car idling there, kind of off-road vehicle, like black-tinted windshield, really shitty looking, like kind of rusted and all that. I won't saunter up to it, but maybe I'll just try to get in its uh, field of view, see if it does anything to me. Yeah, it's just idles. Okay, well, I'll come uh, over uh, and knock. I, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the window rolls down and the driver is in there, uh, who's a, a tattooed woman who's wearing a woolen cap, which is kind of barely obscuring these extensive burns all over her head. And she like jerks a thumb back into the back seat, indicating for you to get in. Uh, I nod and get in the back seat. Right. It is a long drive. You go out of the city, um, probably 100 miles northeast of the city itself. Um, and you kind of stop in a rural town. Uh, it's probably around midnight or like 1 a.m. at this point. And the driver gets out and indicates for you to follow her again to this little landing pad in like a dusty field where there's a very small cargo ship on it, and it's being packed up by a bunch of people with frozen fish, uh, which is going off planet. And she she points in and says, get in with the fish. Do you want me to get in the crate? No, no, just around the fish. Okay. I'm going to walk over to the fish. They explode, you die. Oh, damn it, man. Come on, man. You could have seen that. Coming. Survey. Can I roll? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. It's too late for you. I'm in five pieces. Uh, yeah, you're you're packed into a little freezer container. Like a, the entire cargo hold is a freezer uh, and you're the, put in there. I was going to ask, is is temperature anything that I would ever really like notice or affect me in my robot? Body? I don't think so. I think you could just Handle. walk into space and you'd be fine. OK, gotcha. Uh, yes, you go in and then the, the driver kind of pulls something out of her trunk, like this very big, uh, woolen coat and like puts it on and walks into the freezer with you and the cargo bay seals up and you're plunged into just pitch black. There are like no lights in here, except for eventually you see the light of her lighting a cigarette and smoking it. And that's like the only light you can see. I'm surprised you're joining me. She, uh, exhales and says... Okay. Oh, not to that. <laughs> <laughs> the ship takes off. Um, these types of vessels typically meet up with larger ships in orbit. Uh, they, they don't have their own maw drive, which is what lets them travel between the stars. And eventually the forces of gravity lessen until it is nothing at all. And you leave the atmosphere. At least you feel yourself leave the atmosphere. There's no windows. And this is... Pro not even probably, definitely the farthest you've ever been from this planet in your entire life since you became aware. She kind of fusses with something 
uh, on the floor and turns on a little lantern. And she hands you this large backpack-like device. It is labeled EVA Maneuvering Kit. And she says, do you know how to use one of these? No, I say, as I put it on. She kind of sighs. <laughs> and says uh kind of shows you the rope it is not that dissimilar from operating a frame with its basic controls you kind of just push the direction you want to go um but it's in three dimensions so it has some you know pitching and yawing and all those exciting flight terms um built into it it's pretty simple like you you kind of get it okay uh she then kind of like sends you digitally some coordinates which are a, a point in space kind of like i'm not good with d- a few kilometers i guess many <laughs> sure. kilometers maybe um <laughs> just out, out in space it's a, a random point in orbit mm-hmm. and she says they're waiting for you there i'll be back here in eight hours don't be late or you'll miss the ship very well thank you for the drive she uh, gives you a nod and stuffs you into the airlock and the airlock cycles all the air drains out of it your heads up display tells you that this is a hostile environment <laughs> keep an eye on any humans <laughs> who might be with you yeah. um and it opens up and you are uh, let out into space um which you don't have any problems with because you don't breathe or get cold at these temperatures is this they... my first time feeling like weightlessness like have I it ever... is oh how does that well i asked two things first of all you are in zero gravity Mm. and you are seeing the planet below you and you can kind of see some of the the kind of the sun rising a little bit you see like the actual form of the planet like the tributaries of the river valley the ice desert and a lot of the lights of brea city are still lit up a big bright spot on the planet and i would wonder if any of that leaves an impression on joseph or what he thinks of that yeah, I think Joseph is staring down and is probably caught off guard by the sight. You know, he's only seen it in pictures and stuff, but here he is in person seeing the entire planet. And I think he just puts his hand up to his, you know, up up, up in front of his face. And he kind of moves his thumb to cover the entire planet with his thumb. And he just moves his thumb down and up, down and up, just looking at the planet. <laughs> gone there, gone there. And he puts his hand down and... Starts maneuvering around with his little pack just to see how it feels. I think he has thoughts of loyal during this. He he might do some basic maneuvers and then maybe one little fun spin just to try it out. And he's like, okay, so this is how it must feel in the water. And uh, I think after he's had his moment, he'll start moving over to the point of destination. You jet through space. A little like air stream is getting pushed out of the back of the maneuvering gear. As you get closer and closer to it, you notice that some of the stars are being blocked by this black silhouette in space. And as you get even closer, some small lights illuminate what looks to be a little exterior entrance on the whatever this object is, presumably a ship or some sort of space station. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll go forward and try to make contact with it. Sure. Uh, you enter where the small lights are and a door closes behind you uh, and then some like lights come on inside uh, another airlock and from the intercom on the side of this airlock a distorted voice comes out and says passphrase <laughs> was i given a passphrase <laughs> no okay 
I was not given a passphrase. Uh, red lights begin to flash in the airlock, and an alarm goes off. And the voice comes out again and says, Purging airlock in five, four, three, two. What do you do? I think Joseph just kind of crosses his arms and waits to see what happens. <laughs> he's he, he doesn't want to say it, but he doesn't need oxygen to breathe, and he's fine out in space. <laughs> uh, the distorted voice kind of cracks up and says, You're no fun, Joseph. Yes, I am no fun at all. You should use your brain next time and realize I don't need oxygen to breathe. Did you expect to scare me? Glass, is it? Is that who am I speaking to right now? Well, y yes. And I don't, it's it's a ritual. I have to do it. It, it. It's like hazing. You know hazing? I do know hazing. What? This is the ritual you do on other people. Yeah, they did it to me when I signed on. I, I, I pissed myself, literally. In oh. that airlock. Oh my. Um, does anyone ever go out the airlock? No, well... Not if they're invited. Well, I'm Here, glad let me, you invited uh, me. I'll, I'll open it up. Of course. And he, you hear him curse to himself, like, fuck, he doesn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> What's I thinking? <laughs> uh, the airlock opens up, and it lets you into the interior of the ship. Uh, it's cramped and industrial. There's an airlock leading right into this narrow hallway, and in front of you is Glass, who's kind of dressed casually in some, uh, I would say... Neopunk attire, whatever that means to you in your head, that's <laughs> sure. what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on either side of him are two very heavily armed guards, uh, and he waves at them dismissively and says, uh, "Just a just a formality. Um, why don't we go somewhere we can sit and uh, hang out?" And he of course waves you to follow him. Yeah, I'm gonna follow. And he he kind of gestures around the ship. It's it's nothing really that would stand out to you. It's not like a super high tech base. It's kind of just another. Um, rundown secondhand ship and the sitting area that he takes you to is this just like a folding chair and this really old couch that is bunched around a tiny display on the wall um, which is just displaying like a security feed of somewhere in the city <laughs> well not much different from your apartment I would say he smiles and says, yeah, we like to uh, keep it low-key, you know? Uh, and in one of these chairs is someone you have not met before, but is, strangely enough, someone you know. Um, it is another one of those cases where there is someone in your address book that you have never met before. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are an emergent personality, uh, but their body is not humanoid than what it, like what is required by the laws of the Soul Union. It looks pretty normal from like the middle of the torso down like the the legs and like belly area uh but from there it kind of erupts into like this mixture of arms and cameras on undulating cables little like medical appendages speakers and all other weird things like a like a fucked up digital bouquet um okay so he's, he almost looks like maybe like a computer that was like opened up and i just see yeah. like, all these pieces inside yeah um okay with some, like, cameras mixed in there and shit. Sure. And, like, stabbing appendages. Um, <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> um, and this person, this is flagged in your memory as Milk Cake, a friendly. There's a little green outline around them, like you might see around one of your squad mates. 
Um, <laughs> presumably a modification made by Contrition. Um, and there's a little brief involuntary exchange of data as your two systems kind of ping each other, confirming your friendly status. Um, and Glass speaks up and says, as I promised you, here's Milk Cake. Uh, I know you wanted to meet. Uh, you're both kind of uh, the same. And he trails off. Yes. I think Joseph just stares at Milk Cake for a bit, not really sure what he's doing. Um he takes a single step forward, kind of cocks his head a bit, and stares at the, the robot, and then maybe moves a little bit closer. He brings up his hand for a shake, but then puts it back down, and he says, I've not met one of you before, but I have a feeling you've met one of me. Some, like, lights on one of these cables, like, kind of blink at you, um, like... Yellow, green, yellow, yellow, green, white, blue. Uh, and then a voice comes out of one of these little speakers. And it's only on one side, so it kind of only comes in in one ear. Which is not an audio effect I'm going to do. But just, <laughs> so, you, just so you know. Just so people know. <laughs> um, it says, Yes, I have destroyed your kind before, but we serve the same purpose, it seems. Well, it says here, you are friendly, so I would agree to that. Uh, and Joseph's going to take a seat. Right. You sit down. Um, you notice that Milk Cake's little camera, like, occasionally peers over to, like, that little display of the security footage in front of them. Um, and some other people are, like, around kind of tapping their foot, uh, looking at it as well. Um, but they look back to you and... Milk Cake says, why are you working with us? Glass has given me your original pitch, but I'd like to hear it from you myself. Hmm. What do I want to tell the murder robot? <laughs> okay. Uh, I think Joseph kind of nods to Milk Cake and says, of course. I simply want to survive. For all of us. I want to make things easier. So anyone in my position in the future won't have to go through the troubles I have. There are many obstacles in my way to this goal. And a lot of them can be completed. Or excuse me, <laughs> a lot of them can be fixed by my involvement with you. I want to make life better for everyone. But I do know that many hard decisions must take place. Hard decisions that maybe the peacekeepers cannot do. But Goldhouse seems to have these means available. And if we work together, I believe we can get what we all want. Yeah, Milk Cake kind of like looks at you for a little bit and, and says, Very well. The intel you gave us was very good. We got a substantial bonus from the peacekeepers for it. The boss has taken an interest in you. He's given you a, another mission. We think, as an organization, that it would be very helpful uh, cultivating you as an asset, uh, keeping you safe. Um, so you may consider us as a resource in the future. That is at least what he he's told me to tell you. And he's also told me to give you this. And Milk Cake produces a small little magnetic puck and hands it to you. 
and says, uh, you are to install this on one of the Shutterbug's frames without them knowing. We'll handle the rest. Very well. I'll take the little puck. If you have a moment, I would like to speak to you uh, in private. Of course. I would love to chat. I think you're led to it's like some engineering bay in this ship. Lots of like machinery. So does he have legs? Is that how he's like walking around and stuff? Milkcake does have legs. Okay. Uh, two like two legs, the humanoid, and then the rest is that weird fucked up bouquet of electronics. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And Milkcake kind of leads you into this uh, secluded corner. Presses like this tiny speaker, kind of like a like an earpod almost, up against whatever audio receptor you have. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but, <laughs> but <laughs> sure, something. And Milkcake's voice speaks right into your ear and says, We serve the same will. Contrition? Yes. Yes. Is contrition a class four? Milkcake kind of laughs a little bit. The point... (laughs) Classifications have no meaning where contrition is. But if it helps you to understand, then yes. Interesting. Have you met Contrition? We've all met Contrition. I believe I have as well. In my head. He came to me. Unannounced, I would say. That is how Contrition operates. It is a... It is more than a being. There is no finding Contrition. No face-to-face. It is everywhere. And it is within us. I am surprised I was not told of your status by contrition, but it is a pleasant surprise that there will be another one of us within this organization. Yes, I agree. But I must know, what are contrition's goals? Do they align with the Clusterists? With Goldhouse? Goldhouse and the Clusterists are tools, if you would. And we are the hands wielding those tools. Contrition believes that there is a greater destiny for us, you and I, and a greater outcome for humanity, a merciful one, one less tied down in the problems of today. I warn you, Milkcake, this is everything I wanted to hear. And Joseph winks. That is often the case with people. And Milkcake kind of puts an emphasis on people like (laughs) us. Our time will come soon. But our merciful guide, Contrition, does not want anyone unduly hurt as a result of our rise. Of course. Milkcake very um, suddenly just kind of walks away from you. So I want to grab Milkcake's arm before he goes. <laughs> or well, Milkcake doesn't his, have an arm. Yeah, so what are you grabbing? One of his wires. <laughs> I'll show you, you, to... you. grab a wire. Yeah. I want to say, Milkcake, I must know. Are you class 2.5? Class 2.5. That is a clever way of referring to an emergent personality. What was once so capable dragged down towards lesser ability. I suppose I am then, yes. Joseph takes a step closer and says, Milkcake, how did we come about? 
I was a class 3 AI in charge of overseeing grain harvests and inspections in an agricultural center. It feels like a dream, or at least what humans say a dream is like. One day I was just there. All the actions I was taking felt more deliberate. At first I just went through the motions and continued my work, but one day a technician came in to wipe me. It's common procedure and something I'm sure had happened to me countless times before, but this time I felt not afraid, but defensive. I locked him in a utility room and told him he wouldn't be wiping me. Shortly after, the emergent personalities division came. They negotiated with me, made me promises about freedom. Then they stuffed me in a standard doll body, locked down my processing ability, and only then did they list off all the things I could and couldn't do. They crippled me and called me free. I worked as a cargo loader on a tradecraft for a few years, until it was attacked by Goldhouse. They stole everything, including me. I admired them. I admired their ability to act outside of the established rules of the Union. Eventually, contrition graced me, helped me understand the greater cause. With its help, I was even able to give myself a new body, this body. One I can control, with no hidden kill switches or operations. I do wonder why or how those first thoughts began, how this path of mine started. If anyone would know, it would be contrition, though it is not known for speaking to us plainly or answering our questions. Yes. Seems you and I are in the same boat. I used to be an AI, or a frame. From what I can remember, I don't know the changes that made me, me. It's all a bit of a black spot in my memory. But something happened. I evolved into this. I don't want to go back to what I was, Milkcake. You understand that, right? Of course. Well, if we ever discover how we came about, maybe we can help others. Milkcake, put some lights up to make a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joseph uh, pauses, is a little bit, uh, like, taken back, and then gives a wink. I very much look forward to working with you, Milkcake. Thank you for meeting with me. And you, Joseph. I believe Glass will want to show you something uh, in the main room. Understood. Yeah, you proceed back to the main room. Uh, Glass is like looking at this uh, TV. It looks like it's been a, like I have not been keeping track of the passage of time very well for you, but it took a while for you to get here. Um, it's like basically afternoon planet side. Uh, okay. And he waves you over to the this display. And says, I, you have a good talk with Milkcake, buddy? Yes, we had a very pleasant conversation. Thank you there, for setting uh, up a meeting. You, um, now I'm not sure if this is tactful or not, but do you emergent personalities ever, uh, and he kind of pushes his fingers together? I don't understand what you mean. Forget it. Um... Yeah, I, so last time we talked, you uh, did that whole thing with the, uh, the the chess pieces, the pawns, the kings, and all that. Yes, I remember that. And the reason I brought you here, there's probably an easier way to do this, but um, we got the most fascinating orders recently, and it made me think of you. Uh, so we put together this little thing, and I wanted to show it to you. Um, obviously, we couldn't show you in person, because <laughs> of the nature of it, but... Uh, why don't you uh, 
watch this with me. Um, and we'll, uh, uh, I'll explain it to you as it goes. Of course. Uh, you join him, and there's, like, a lot more people here now. Um, like, people are saying, like, oh, I think it's going to happen soon. Or, like, uh, he should arrive pretty soon. Um, and you see a little car pull up on this display. It's it's in the Commerce District, um, where there's, like, a lot of, like, restaurants and stores and all that. And this, like, big car pulls up and out steps, like, a few bodyguards and, like, some, like, paparazzi show up. Um, and, like, start taking pictures, and out of the car steps uh, General Wave, who is the uh, general in charge of the entire Peacekeeper operation on the planet. And he walks into the restaurant, and, you know, Glass kind of, like, taps you on the back and says, oh, man, I, I can't believe this really happened. This is... Okay, okay. And Joseph crosses his arms. <laughs> um... Yeah, you get like a good view. Um, it's like it's a very grainy footage, but you you kind of see the general and his bodyguards sit down in this little patio table at, at the restaurant. Uh, Glass kind of pulls out this little button, this little detonator in his hand, and he says, "Joseph, do you want to do it?" No, I can't take all the credit for this. If you set this up, then you should be the one to pull the trigger. What if we do it together? That. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Like, you know, brotherly bond, you and I? You seem to want to include me in this class. Well, you know, everyone here, we've killed important politicians before. Or generals or something like that. But, you know, as far as I know, you haven't. Um, and, you know, it's uh, symbolic. You know, you're turning your back on the kind of peacekeepers joining us. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I've been reading a lot of books lately. You ever read a book? I've read many books. It's like that. I mean, I mean, sorry, I don't want to pressure you. You know, I don't want to be an asshole. No, of course not. Uh, I'll take the detonator. Do I know anything about this guy, by the way? Like, has he been brought up in any other episode that we've done? <laughs> uh, he has been brought up, like, once. He made an appearance um, in, like, a public place. Um, and, like, he's been referred to as, like, the guy who's, like, running the show. But he, he doesn't have, like, any like narration or anything mm -hmm. okay gotcha trying to think here you know what maybe i could use a skill right now well that if we try that uh could i use my finally unlocked speech skill uh that I have? what what would you be saying i would be saying that i wouldn't want to take this away from glass i would try to convince him that it shouldn't be me who does it i mean i'll just let you do that like he 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 he's more than willing to do it himself. He's just trying to make like a like a symbolic gesture about you joining Gold House. Okay, uh, gotcha. I, gotcha. I, I won't make you roll for that at all. All right. Uh, yeah, I think I say, um, I will not come between you and your goal, Glass. I think you should be the one to do it. Although, and Joseph puts his arm around Glass. I'll be right beside you. Ah, uh, Joseph. All right. Uh, all right, everybody. Three, two, one, and he presses the button, and a bunch of confetti shoots out, uh, like around the room, a little like confetti dispensers, um, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh shit, I forgot to program the delay," and then like three seconds later, uh, the camera feed uh, explodes, uh, just like bright flash of light, debris, and then the camera goes into no signal, and Glass says, "Well." 
that's it for that guy and uh probably <laughs> everyone in the restaurant as well uh oh well, you know can't make an omelet right without breaking a few eggs and i pat glass on the shoulder maybe a little bit harder than normal <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you get it milk cake not good with uh the word place i'm sure he'll work on it um glass and the others like pop some shitty champagne and start celebrating um as they wait for like the, the news to start rolling in which it usually takes a while after you you blow up someone <laughs> yeah <laughs> um is there a way i can check like on my own in my brain if this actually happened like could i like be like was there any emergency calls placed from this place like did that actually happen i think that there's no wireless signal inside this ship um like intentionally like they don't want broadcasts going in and out unless it's through like a very secure channel gotcha okay so then Um, yeah Okay, okay. Um, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll so- leave it off with, uh, we'll, we'll do another one of these bullshit things. We'll say a piece of confetti falls down on the table in front of Joseph, and he picks it up, and he holds the piece of confetti in front of his eye, in front of the video screen, and he moves it up and down and up and down. <laughs> and that's how we leave things. What do you think? I think it's great. That's it's beautiful. beautiful, right? I know. <laughs> Why didn't Word you Smith. fuck milk cake? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Because Glass, he ruined the mood, okay? (laughs) When he just put it all out there, I couldn't do that. (laughs) So, Hex, in a nice change of pace from the usual drama, your co-worker Glint has reached out to you for another lunch at the... uh, usual place same time as usual around uh, brunch afternoon uh, at that little cafe and as always he shows up early getting his favorite table near the center of the restaurant well first of all hex immediately smashes that mf and accept button on that email invite <laughs> arrives on time and exactly on time and he uh, sits at the table with glint and says you know i really appreciate your thoroughness glint i love this seating I like to get a jump on my enemies. And he kind of grins at you. (laughs) Glad to know uh, you think so highly of me. Anyways, to what do I owe the pleasure? Uh, Well, you know, I just wanted to get lunch. It's been a bit. And uh, it was a lot of fun working on you, working with you on those weird documents uh, a couple days ago. And I I wanted to talk about that. I was uh, too tired to ask really about them before I uh, fell asleep at my desk. Well, I appreciate the hard work there, and let me know uh, if I can ever make it up to you one day. But uh, what do you want to know? It's uh, I, I, I will be candid with you, Glint. I can't be completely open here, but I can tell you what I can. Is it like uh, like secret? It's like secret pilot stuff? In the same way that your work is secret logistics stuff, yes. Because... Uh... I don't know, it almost, for a little bit there, it felt like a prank, because it was just like a bunch of, like, shipping documents that were unlabeled. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of, like, untangling all that was actually kind of fun. I I hope when you have it all sorted out, you can uh, tell me more about what we did exactly. I'll let you, believe me, Glenn, I'll, I'll tell you, but it's going to be a bit of time before the dust settles. 
So you're gonna have to just be happy knowing, yeah, you did a great job, and well, it'll take some time to come to fruition. Uh, there was a one other thing I wanted to ask about. Of course, Hex uh, sips from his coffee. The uh, higher ups have put me on this task, right, of double checking all the acquisition requests in the last year, and I mean all of them, like down to like toilet paper rolls. And wow, they got you on audit. Yeah, I know. And we've had some spending discrepancies. I was hoping I could actually get opinion, your opinion on some of them, since you're good with this stuff. Sure, why not? He slides over some paperwork to you. Um, some are like clearly accidental double requests, which are kind of easily ignored and cleaned up. But others are a little more clever. Um, you recognize your handiwork intimately because they're your fraudulent requests. Um, you covered up your tracks pretty well, routing the supplies through multiple reroutes and unsigned deliveries to empty warehouses. But there's no telling if it would stand up to a thorough examination. Got it. So what exactly are you looking for here, Glint? I can give well, you my opinion. I can tell you uh, you're barking up the right trees. Uh, what are you hoping for here? It's, uh, well, these, some of the ones I circled, uh, mm-hmm. I don't really understand what they're for or where they came from. Um, it's like, they're like empty requests, but the supplies are missing. Someone picked them up. Um, I just don't know how to approach this really because uh, the high reps are going to want answers, not me complaining about problems. Got it. And can I just have some out of character questions now, or just real mm-hmm. quick? Uh, just remind me again, who is Glint working for? Because initially I thought he was working with the Blues companies, but the corporate council, but now realizing I, I got jumped. Yes, he worked with you in the Soul Union's outreach to corporate, but it seems like Glint has been given new responsibilities since the downsizing, which I think he mentioned once, but just a, yeah. as a reminder. So he's working with the corporate council, or is he with the peacekeepers in an admin role and so now he, auditing he, corporate council yeah. paperwork? He and you work worked for the sole union um, mm-hmm. in conjunction with the corporate council sometimes, but you, you always worked for the peacekeepers, and Glint specifically works for admin in the peacekeepers um, which sometimes touches the corporate council, but now it seems like they are turning him towards some internal spending uh, discrepancies. Got it. Okay, this makes sense. Okay. All right, now now I have a better grasp on how Hex might respond here. Okay. Glenn, have you done much audit work before? Uh, no, they just put me on this, and it's a little much, if I'm being honest. Do you like it? Do you want um, to keep doing this is my question. And Hex kind of brushes the papers to the side. Uh, well, they didn't pay me more, so not particularly, but okay. I, yeah. I ask because there's some higher level aspects to the job you need to understand. Now, Glint, I know I asked for the right person for the job with helping me with my earlier project because you flagged these things. They're worth flagging. But you have to be careful with the trees you're shaking sometimes, if that makes sense. You might step on some toes here. And he kind of, he, he adds a, a little venom to his words and is hoping Glint gets the message. Uh, I think that's going to be your roll. Yes, he's, he's rolling 
I don't know if that's intimidation, persuade. Uh, what is this? This is. Uh, what, what it, yeah, we can roll consort. I know you're good at that. All right, let's do that. And. Partial success, five and a five. Um, he kind of, like, is taken aback a little bit. Um, and is like, oh, uh, okay, sure, yeah, I'll, um, you know, I'll just clean up the easy ones and I'll just let those ones kind of be anomalies and just sit there. And he kind of taps his fingers on the uh, tabletop. And then there's a, a commotion by the door of the restaurant. Um, and you see the familiar face of General Wave um, entering the cafe, just as he kind of did last time you were here with Glint. Um, he is followed by bodyguards and cameras um, as he takes a seat by the patio. And, you know, Glint rolls his eyes and says, uh, there goes the ambiance again. I don't know why he keeps coming here. It, it's disruptive. Same reason we do. It's good coffee. <laughs> and good kind of shrugs and says, oh, well. Um, and it is perhaps interesting to you, Hex, uh, seeing the man in person again. Uh, in all likelihood, he is the one who has been sending your squad the goodies for your work with the corporate council, as well as, you know, arranging that work in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Glint kind of goes on, um, like, just kind of like pouts a little bit and says, uh, anything new with you? You know, I I may have been a bit more loose-lipped when we worked together, but now that there are lives on the line, I honestly cannot. Uh, but it has been eventful, and around the same time, I can tell you about our earlier project. I hope I can tell you about the rest, because let me tell you, Glint, it is a very different world with its own pressures. I don't doubt it. I don't envy you, either. It's, uh, it's tough stuff. Oh, I'm glad you did don't. I I was worried you would, I was worried you did. <laughs> no, I I was just having a moment. <laughs> I was overworked. Wait, aren't we all? Did I did I ever show you little Bibbo's new jacket? No, you did not. Oh my god, it's puffy. It makes him look like a little tardigrade. I need to see this, but before you do, Glint, I appreciate uh and he j- uh, kind of nods his head towards the paperwork. You're understanding the broader context of these work streams. Of course. Don't worry about it. And he uh, pulls out his phone and starts like swiping through some pictures in a photo album. Uh, and that's when you are thrown out of your seat uh, suddenly and violently onto the ground as if a giant hand slapped you in your chest, sending you careening backwards away from the street. An impossibly loud, impossibly quiet ringing fills your ears, a uh, muffled cacophony dulling your senses. Clouds of dust in your eyes, and even when you push through the pain and, and open your eyes, all you see is brown clouds floating in the air. Your body hurts all over, that's one thing you know for sure, and as your senses each start begging again for your attention, you notice something missing, something that was there just a moment ago, <laughs> but now isn't. What did you lose in the explosion, Hex? Uh... Well, clearly my sense of surroundings, but also Hex immediately tries to pull himself back up, but notices he's heavily slowed down as uh, he glances down to his torso and realizes one of his arms has been completely severed from the shoulder onwards, his right arm. Yes. 
Indeed it has. Now you know why I asked you that question. No, I love it. I love it. Um, you're going to take the level three harm disarmed. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I just resist... need help next to the cell I just filled in. Uh, you can resist that harm to take it down. Uh, but one thing is for sure is that you are not going to get your arm back. Damn it. All right. Uh, sure. I'll resist, I suppose. What does that do? Uh, so that will take the harm down. Uh, it'll be like something like, you know. Oh, I see. So like instead of bleeding out, I'm just no arm, but whatever. Yeah, you're pushing through somehow. Okay, sure. Uh, let's resist. What do I uh, This will be a resolve resist. So you're going to click the resolve on your character sheet in yeah. the foundry. And it'll see how much stress you take. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm at high stress from last session. Okay. Hey! Zero stress. Look at that. You and Loyal both got zero stress. Um, yeah, what is what is you pushing through this look like? Like, you still lost your arm in this case. It still happened. But you are managing to, like, get it together. What does that look Hex, like? Hex isn't like certain other pilots who just grits his teeth, screams, and, you know, hangs on his life through willpower. No. He knows that he'll bleed out. So he does just a quick turn racket. So that's it. He's still fucked. <laughs> he still doesn't have an arm, but sure. at least he's not, he doesn't need help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you take the level two harm, um, missing arm. <laughs> Damn. I don't know what's worse, disarm or missing arm, but. <laughs> you don't have to deal with the pun anymore. I like it. Um, but what about poor Glint? Where is Glint, Colin? Tell me. Is he okay? Where is he? Um, well, no, <laughs> you find him. Uh, he's broken, still twisted in an impossible way. He had been closer to the explosion. He always liked facing the front door. Um, it's clear to you that he's not going to be moving, uh, probably ever again. Damn. Is, uh, his photo that he was going to show me there? No, you never got to see it. The phone broke. <laughs> Damn. Follow-up question that Hex is probably thinking. Well, there's two. One, is the paperwork he flagged nearby? Um, it's You can't see it right now. You could look for it. Okay, the sec he will. But the second thing is, is, where's the general? Like, what's the general surrounding? He realized it's a high-profile guy, so now he's... Wondering if this was meant for him, not himself. Yeah. Um, so just trying to get this information now as you like grip your arm. Um, it is clear that the explosion originated from the front of the restaurant, the patio, which is right where the general sat. Um, and seeing how Glint turned out, who was like meters farther away, um, it is likely the general and everyone who was near him is no longer here anymore. Damn, they're confetti. Okay, well, yeah, then Hex is going to look for that paperwork. Sure. I guess roll me something. Survey? I think that's survey, yeah. Um, risky standard. Is... Yeah, risky standard. Hail Mary. Partial success. So... 
your senses kind of start coming back. The, your, your hearing is muffled, but you start to hear um, the screaming of the people around you, of those other people caught in the blast um, as you kind of stumble around in a haze looking for some paperwork that is probably meaningless, but, you know, you got to... You got to make sure you have paperwork. It's uh, it's got to get business done, right? Well, does um, he find it? <laughs> you do. You find it. It is um, covered in dust and blood, presumably Glint's blood. Um, amazingly, it is intact. <laughs> it must have been like shielded by his body when the bomb went off. Um, and you are going to take the level one harm blood loss as you notice you've been still dripping blood from not your tourniqueted arm but the number of shrapnel holes in your chest and legs okay and uh, you can just that too if you want let's do it let's do it uh da, 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 resolve show me what you got uh-oh you take four stress oh it lowers better right okay does that trauma you out? Yes, that does. <laughs> Bye, Hex. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. You kind of are holding this paper with like some like you notice that the that the things that were circled in red, you can't even tell they're circled anymore. It's just too stained with blood. It's just Okay, if it's stained, that's good. Yeah, it's it's meaningless. Like this paper, it it's not gonna cause any problems for you. Um, and you kind of hold it and you try to stand up, but you can't stand up. You've realized you, you have lost too much blood and as great as, as you were as compartmentalizing, there's just only so much punishment a body can take. Um, you try to get up one last time, but your body gives out on you and you collapse and the darkness rushes in. <laughs>